Excellent. Good morning. Welcome to Julie Lesson's podcast, YouTube channel and blog. Today I have the gorgeous Sonia with me and I've known Sonia for quite a long time now and she has such an interesting story and she's doing such a big job in the world. So I want her to tell you about it today. So Sonia, tell us about how you come to be where you are right now. Oh, hello, Julie. Thanks for having me on. And hello, listeners. Uh, yeah, it's been a really amazing journey, actually. And I say amazing now, but, uh, you know, 25 years ago, I wouldn't have been saying amazing. So it's a situation where, I, first of all, I work in a field where I call myself mindset transformation specialist. And that basically means I help people sort out trauma and clear trauma and bring in emotional well-being which supports them to find physical health at the same time but my journey was because of my own story where I um, unfortunately lost my brother to suicide at a very young age 15 and I was 17 at the time and um, obviously that just sends your life into a bit of, of, of a spiral um, and I interestingly enough I went to I went to university straight after he died so he died at the end of my seventh form year or which is year 13 and then I went to uni to study psychology and um but clearly I wasn't in the state to probably handle it too well so what was what should have been a three-year degree became a five-year uh and then halfway through the degree studying psychology I just I just something said to me I don't think this is the path for me um, so then I went down the education route and became a secondary school teacher. But subsequently during that time as a secondary school teacher, I always ended up working with the children with dyslexia, learning difficulties, behavioral problems, um, all that stuff, which was what my brother had, um, and had experienced. And then long story short, uh, I think I was in Melbourne and I had a, um, I had a life coach, so I started going down the personal development route of learning about how to live my best life because obviously I identified that I had trauma um, that I needed to heal. And in that time, I discovered some incredible tools for self-healing um, that I learned because I wanted to help myself, but then I ended up realizing these could help other people. And through that journey, I learned this process called um, emotional freedom technique that led me to then decide actually this is now bringing in my desire to help people like I did when I was at university wanting to do psychology, but using the latest techniques and quantum healing tools to actually bring true results. Because interestingly enough, back then, and I now realize all of this was, has been led by my intuition, I knew that traditional psychology um, wasn't going to cut the mustard for deep, deep healing work. Don't get me wrong, there's a great pl there's a place for it, but now knowing what I know and now knowing what I've been able to do with myself, personal journey to heal my own trauma and help literally hundreds of others heal theirs, um, you have to integrate the mind and body. So I went down the psychology route, but I integrated somatic therapies, which is all about the body and releasing trauma from the physiology. And here we are today now. Um, I'm a private practice practitioner, but I'm an integrated therapist. So I work with the mind and the body in the healing process and I run workshops, I do online programs, I do one-to-one -one healing work uh, and currently in the process of writing a book because the fundamental, the sort of, not the fundamental, the penultimate of all of this work around integrating the mind and body is that three years ago my father almost died in hospital in ICU with double pneumonia and we were told 
you know, we'll do what we can, but unless these medications take hold, there's not a lot we can do. And with all the knowledge I've accumulated in 25 years, I went, no, 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 there's more to this. He's not just a physical body. He is a spiritual being. He's an emotional being. And he's sick because of all of that other stuff, unresolved trauma, that we just went on this amazing healing route with him and got him Reiki, intuitive mediumship, psychic work, um, energy work, which is the Reiki, um, healing intention work. Uh, and ta-da! He's alive and well. He's 71. He's back working full-time. And his health is better than it's ever been. His physical body's the better that the best it's been in ten years. All physical pain's gone, and that's where I'm at now. So that's now where I know, you, you, unless you integrate the emotions in the healing journey, the physical body can just keep stuck in the loop of sickness. So that's where I'm at now, massively into the education around the mind body integration and I'm not, I'm just, I'm now just rehashing what's already out there in terms of the new research. So that's where we're at right now, Julie. Wow. <laughs> I've heard you talk about your father before and yeah. I'm just blown away with that story of how he, he basically the medical profession couldn't help him. Yeah. Um, and and uh, they could, they could help him physically. They could keep his body alive but he, to heal, to get through that, it was so much more needed. And Sorry to interrupt, yeah. <laughs> no, no. If, if, if you hadn't sorted the whole, the whole complete picture out, would he have had a quality of life if he'd lived? The interesting thing is now that I look back and know what I know, because we got him a lot of Reiki, um, and if anyone listening doesn't know what Reiki is, Reiki is a form of energy healing in which we draw in the universal energy of the, like we have this quantum field of energy and it's, we're all connected to it. Uh, and a lot of the reason we get sick is because we're disconnected from it. So Reiki calls in universal energy to heal the body. And um, I, the thing is, prior to dad's illness, he had... Such he had chronic ongoing um, skin infections. He had chronic pain in his knees, chronic shoulder pain, chronic arthritic pain in his thumbs, and he's now no longer got that. And that's where I know the Reiki has helped him, because the medical intervention, the drugs couldn't have done that. Because he was, and 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 honestly, acute medicine. Not I'm not talking allopathic medicine here. You know, the, the, the take a drug to kill you, cure you ill. Acute medicine's phenomenally amazing. The, I, if it hadn't been for the doctors keeping his body alive, we wouldn't have had the time to go in and do the other work to um, heal him on a more metaphysical level. So, yeah, 100%. He wouldn't have had the quality of life, Julie. He wouldn't be back at work full-time. You know, I could see my... I, I look back now to when I think about my dad before he got sick and I think he was already checking out in a, in a way because he had so much unresolved trauma around the death of my brother. And and when you read the book, you'll people will see the story behind what was actually going on for him in terms of understanding why lungs get sick. And lungs are a lot of unresolved grief. You know, lungs are about giving up on the breath of life. And... We breathed through our lungs and my dad had pretty much got to that stage, I think, where he was ready to go. Yeah, and my mum and I had had that conversation. We're thinking, I just like, we don't think dad's long for this earth. Gosh, if he listens to this, you know, like, but now it's a totally different story. 
Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was so immersed in the story. I forget how amazing the story is. It is amazing. Um, yeah, and and eighty days he was in ICU. Eighty days in an induced coma, and with double pneumonia, like the doctor said, and they call it old man's disease. You go in, you either walk, you either leave alive or you die. And eighty days is unheard of for pneumonia and double pneumonia, meaning it was in both lungs. Wow. So, and I've had talks to the doctors since then, the ICU registrar, and he said, we don't know what we're doing most of the time. We've just got to pump them full of drugs and hope for the best, especially with acute pneumonia. So, yeah, but, yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing now. No way. No way. Because he couldn't bend down to do his job. He had, you know, knees. He's had knee surgery since, but um, shoulders, shoulder pain's gone. Chronic shoulder pain gone <laughs> <You> know, just <laughs> medication can't do that julie no. it really can't it can mask the pain but he's not on pain medication he's not on any, any pain medication so yeah and what i find interesting is so many people are living with pain um anxiety fear depression so many mm-hmm. conditions and they really are not well and i think they know well many people know they're unwell some people will know or not know they're unwell so do you know what i mean because yeah yeah. you know um pain for a lot of people like arthritic pain um they think that's just their lot their life yeah so I know because I follow you, there is so many success stories. Can you tell me, without mentioning names, a success story from someone who's had anxiety? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, Anxiety is one of the areas I work in the most in chronic stress. And uh, the, the, the thing is with anxiety is, you know, we medicate to help with the symptoms However, anxiety, I'll just preface this so people understand, anxiety is a fear of the future because in the past we had an experience or experiences where we felt unsafe or out of control. So when working with people with chronic anxiety who have helped overcome it, it's always about we have to go back to the root cause of the anxiety. We have to find what's triggered this. When in their lives did they have a fear of control? Now, traditional talk therapy would try and figure this out by talking about it. But the reality is it's the physical body that holds the trauma. It's the physical body, the heart, that remembers how we felt at a time, and that subsequently creates a memory. So it's not often how we see an event that creates the memory of the event. It's how it made us feel. So when I work with a client, um, especially ones with panic attacks, it's I use the energy, the feeling of panic in their chest, in their heart, their stomach, and say, what does this remind you of? And then that takes them back to a time in their life where they remember feeling fear. And then because I'm using somatic based therapies and I'm, I'm, I'm using, I'm not giving one example just at the moment because this is the process I use with all anxiety is that then we use this process called emotional freedom technique, which is emotional acupuncture. It's like acupuncture without needles to activate these points on the body, to release the charge, the emotional energy of a past event. And when you do that, you switch off the fight or flight response in the body. You calm the physical body down. You remove the sense of panic, but at the same time, you rewrite the story in your mind that's told you that you need to be in control, otherwise something bad's going to happen. 
because there's this complex thing with anxiety where you've got this dis you know, your, your, your central nervous system is out of whack basically because you're a subconscious like unconsciously in constant fight or flight just in case something goes wrong you can't talk your way out of that you have to address the physical the physical aspect of anxiety and so I've had so many clients where they've come to me with panic attacks um, and they're medicating hoping that that's going to work and then they can't figure out why years later this in fact they're getting worse it's because they haven't dealt with the root cause and they haven't switched off that physical mechanism that's constantly re-triggering them to be in fight or flight response to be in that kind of constant hypervigilant space it's, and that's what we do that's what I do and um, people just you know they're just blowing away I've got one client actually at the moment who could never let her husband drive couldn't hardly ever go to the supermarket because she had to be in control you see because it's about safety I need to be in control she um, couldn't go into the supermarket without she had to know where everything was and she'd get in and she should always have to choose a checkout where there was no queue and she'd have to just bolt for the car every time. She couldn't go to situations where, or events where she didn't know where she was. Now, she's only had three sessions, but in three sessions already, just from dealing with the cause of this anxiety, which comes from childhood, which actually comes from her parents' anxiety and need for control, she's already managed to drive herself to a, a wedding two hours away and drive home. She's managing to go to the supermarket now and queue and not worry about it. And that's just because straight away we found the root cause, like within three sessions. Um, so that's how quickly you can overcome these, this when you deal with root cause rather than just mask the symptoms with medication. Yeah. Okay. This is a, um, going to be an interesting one for you. So let's say ha something happens in my grandmother's life. Mm -hmm. That impacts my mother's life. Mm-hmm even though she's passed away, that can impact my life. Yeah. And if I don't deal with it, it could impact my daughter's life. Yeah, 100%. It's really simple, actually, because, um, look, without going too deep into the quantum physics of it all, um, there's two ways to look at this. There's the actual DNA wiring. So we pass down... And this is not about genetics. Um, this is about, and it's in the genes, the DNA genetic, um, you know, makeup. But when your grandmother is a child, her ovaries carry the egg that is her mother, her daughter. And then when her daughter's born, her daughter's ovaries are carrying the eggs of her children. And so we are already picking up the imprints of our familial behaviors and patterns from our time not just your mother's time in her mother's womb but also we, we that's the other thing we're picking up everything in the womb everything mother's going through and then we pass that on to our own daughters as we're growing up because we're carrying the egg that is or, or sons our sons you know we're carrying that in our d in our dna and in our in our actual eggs um but then there's the quantum physics aspect in which we, we create like a, a sort of, how do you say it? Like a, a lineal pathway, not lineal, uh, sorry, a, a pathway of, it's not lineal actually, time is not lineal in the quantum physics world. Time is happening now, 
in the past, in the future. And Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's the quantum physicist, who's doing the research to prove that we can focus on something in the future and bring it in now, which also means something that's happened in the past is affecting our present moment and will affect our future. So in order to heal future generations and part the past, we heal ourselves. And so we are leaving um, quantum sort of physical imprints so we're literally going to be born into patterns of behavior within the family. And I know that's not always the case for everyone because we can make conscious choices to live our lives differently, but it also explains why some people just repeat the patterns of the past, repeat the traumas of the past, because you're literally being born into it from a quantum physics and a genetic perspective. And so it's being said that when you heal yourself, you heal the previous seven generations and you heal the seven generations ahead. Yeah, so it's quite amazing to think about that. Mm, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. A fascinating and, subject. Oh, it's so fascinating, and you know that the whole concept of that West mind is separate from the body. That just comes from the old Newtonian physics that where what can be observed can be healed, which is why we've gone down a hundred years of allopathic medicine, which is I see a symptom, I medicate it. But we're not physical, just physical beings. We're emotional, we're psychological, and we're spiritual. And so you've got to identify and look at the whole person, what's led them to be sick, what's gone on for them emotionally, what environment are they living in that's really constantly re-triggering them, you know, what, 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 what workspace are they going into every day that, where they're being bullied, you know, when we want to heal a person, we've got to look at their entire life and look at everything that's going on for them. And part of the work I do, I'm a bio-compass um, practitioner, which is I help people find the root cause of their physical condition based on looking at their entire life, their history, their current environment, their relationships, their, their stressors, emotional stressors, the food they're eating, everything, and say, well, this is why the body's unwell. This is why. It's like bio-compass, biological compass. It's like pinpointing the exact things that have happened in their life to cause them to get unwell. Okay. Christchurch had huge earthquakes mm. people died the children who were born during that whole period of constant earthquakes mm -hmm. a lot of them are traumatized mm -hmm. definitely and what can those parents do to give their children the best opportunity at life? Okay, so there's two things. You know, there's a saying that when the mother heals, the family heals. I've got a lot of people bringing their children to me with anxiety from the earthquakes, but the first thing I need to do is address the trauma of the mothers. Um, there's a doctor here at Canterbury University, Dr. Kath, I think it's Kathleen Liberty, might be Catherine Liberty, and she's done some research on the children who were in utero, meaning were in the womb during the time of the earthquakes, and she's done a longitudinal study of them, you know, tracked them sort of two, three, four, five years later to identify any sort of um, impact on their mental health, and she found that over 70% of children who were in the womb at the time of the earthquakes are uh, displaying significant levels of anxiety as if they were alive and were young people living during the earthquakes. Now, bearing in mind these children were in the womb at the time. 
So the first thing to do is we've got to work with the mother to heal her trauma experience. And what that does is it, it the child is um, has an invisible umbilical cord that links mum to child, child to mum for the first nine years of their life. So anything that's happening for a child emotionally, they are picking up from their environment, from their mums, their dads. Yeah. So the seven years is the yeah, seven years is the belief structure. That's when all our beliefs get created about life. And anxiety has a very strong social. Um, social impact so dr brene brown talks about how if there's one person in the family with anxiety everyone in the family is going to be impacted by it there's no isolation of that because it has a very strong energetic component to it anxiety it's like you're literally sending out these anxious vibes and everyone else around you picks them up so there's the seven years of the this the psychological development of the brain but then there's the nine years of energetic connection and so the first thing that needs to be identified is what was the mother's experience of the trauma um, of the earthquakes i've done healing work on mums for their experience of their birth with their child and that has been resulted in the child's anxiety being resolved so i've done healing sessions on a mum two to three sessions with the mother and the child's anxiety subsequently dropped significantly to the point where they're not having the rages and the flare-ups and all the panic attacks and stuff. So the first thing I would do, back to your question, work with the mother. Why the mother? Because the mother's the one that has the strongest connection to the child through that, you know, being born through the mother and that in utero experience. So um, it's very, very powerful work when you work with just the mother alone. And then obviously identify the father's um, stuff as well, like what he's got going on as well. Well, yeah. that brings me to my next question, because I know you've been working really hard with men. And yeah. what, is the, what is your goal with the men of our society? Um, geez, I feel like sometimes I'm cutting off more, I can chew, more than I can chew with that one. Um, the first thing is, is breaking down the stigma and shame around seeking help. Uh, unfortunately, New Zealand men and Australian men, you know, came back from the war, the wars in the, in the early century, 19, 20th century, and, you know, they were um, applauded for their physical prowess and strength in fighting a war, but no one really identified and acknowledged the emotional um, and psychological sacrifices that they made. And, you know, Dr. Brené Brown, who's the researcher into shame, says in order to... Um, be courageous the first thing we need to be is vulnerable and yet now we have a group of men a whole entire demographic of new zealand men who are really afraid to be vulnerable and vulnerability requires admitting that we don't have it all sorted and that we're afraid and we're ashamed and we're hurting and there's a huge stigma around seeking help like you are a failure as a man if you don't seek the help you need. And one of my mantras I now say is, well, you're actually a failure if you don't, because you're more likely to fail if you try and figure it out on your own. And so my thing at the moment is just helping to break down the stigma around seeking help. You know, applauding a man who turns around and says, I'm struggling. I don't know. I don't know how to work this out. Because I always say, you know, if, you, if your car broke down and you weren't a mechanic, you wouldn't sit there and try and work it out yourself. And yet the human brain is the most complex mechanism on this earth other than a computer. And yet you're trying to work out your stuff and fix your problems by using the same level of thinking that's created the problem in the first place. You don't know the answers. You know, it's like, oh, I'm such a failure if I can't figure this out. It's simply not the case. Simply not the case. 
And I actually did see some feedback from someone, a man who you had worked with, and he was more or less saying he doesn't know why he didn't seek help sooner. Yeah, it's shame. It's a sense of shame. That's why they don't. They're ashamed to admit that they don't have the answers and they're afraid of what everyone else will think. They think they're weak and they think they're failing. But the interesting thing is, anyone who you perceive out there who has got it together, behind them, they have all their support network. They're drawing on all the professional people like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So they may appear to be have it all together, but it's because yeah. they, they're pulling in all the support that they need to live their best life. Yeah, and truly successful people, you look behind, you look at their story, they've got coaches and mentors and psychologists and healers and therapists, they're not doing it on their own, you know, um, and you know, the struggle at the moment, especially Kiwi men, farmers and that, you know, so isolated physically, geographically, they are struggling and they don't have the support and it's just so sad, the shame and stigma around seeking the help. It's, you just want to shake them and say, don't you see, you know, you are, you are such a strong man to it. It takes, here's the thing, if vulnerability is weakness, try doing it. It takes the most incredible amount of strength to be vulnerable. And yet men just aren't able to do it because they think it's weak. Mm. Mm. They really feel like they're being weak if they don't seek help. And it's just so sad. It is very sad. And so it's about changing that conversation and breaking down those barriers and getting men to see that it's okay. It's okay. You don't have it all sorted. No one does. That's the other thing. There's not a single person on this planet who has it entirely together. <laughs> maybe the Dalai Lama. <laughs> yeah, maybe he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's an incredible man. Isn't he? He's I've, amazing. I've shaken hands with him in Christchurch. Oh, wow. When he was here oh, a long time ago now. And just, um, it was an unbelievable experience just to hold hands with him. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Wow, you lucky thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. So, what's one thing you can leave with everybody to help them live their best lives? Seek help. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. Learn tapping. Learn emotional freedom technique. If you don't have the means or the resources to go away and pay for uh, someone to help you, go online, go to YouTube, look up emotional freedom technique for dot, 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 insert whatever condition or issue you're dealing with and learn to tap. It's what it was the pivotal turning point in my life because I had this anxiety around a breakup and I couldn't get rid of it. And I was ruminating and I felt sick in my stomach and it was just constantly there. And my life coach said, go and learn this tapping. And I got online and I taught myself this process. And within 10 minutes, my anxiety was boof, gone. And I went, there's something in this. You know, seek the help, admit you don't have it all sorted and learn emotional freedom technique. It's, it's the new, you watch in the next five to 10 years, everyone will be doing it and we'll all be saying, why were we not doing it? You know, like the way we pop a pill now for depression, that will be gone. It will be, I'm going to do tapping. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I can see that there is a big shift coming. Huge. It's already happening. Yeah. Um, it's early days, but it is definitely happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was just going to yeah. say, some of the people I follow actually do tapping all the time. Yeah. 
It's amazing so, how many people are doing it behind the scenes. Yeah. Because mm. you, yeah. you can tap on anything that anything. comes up for you yeah. and work on it and deal with it. Yeah, money blocks, money stress, relationship stress, anxiety, depression. There's nothing, weight loss, the research coming out for food cravings and addictions for, and tapping, is for, and that's all happening in Australia at Bond University with Dr. Peter Stapleton. Watch her, watch her TED Talk, um, Dr. Peter Stapleton, P-E-T-A. She's amazing, and she talks about this fourth wave of therapy that's coming through, and it's all body-based therapies, tapping, Reiki, um, kinesiology, Psych-K, yeah, there's a massive shift happening oh it's very exciting yeah, it is yeah and yeah. you know the other thing i'll say is if you get given a diagnosis or you're in chronic pain or you're dealing with symptoms and you're told there's nothing wrong go and find another doctor we're not meant to be in chronic pain and we're not meant to be physically unwell that's a sign that something's out of balance in your life and don't ever accept there's nothing we can do because that's just not true i believe that too totally yeah, yeah. Sonia, you are on a mission. I can tell. I am. Yeah, you I am. make a difference in this world, which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thank so, you, Jim. What I want you to do is um, send through to me all your contact details. Yep. So yep. That I can make it easy for people to find you and um, get the support and help that they need. Thank you so much for your time and thank you what you're, for what you're doing too because you're also on a mission and you've got such a heart-centered purpose and I know that you're really passionate and I love that you want to share these, these you know, tools with everyone. So thank you for giving us the opportunity today to, to be able to talk about it because it needs to be out there. So thank you. Uh, one quick question. When is the book being published? Put you on the spot. Oh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm deep in the sort of planning stage at the moment and I'm sort of putting it together. I'm off to the library today to do some more work on it. So at this stage, I'd like to say within the next six months. Yeah. Well, yeah. Get you a goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be called Why He Didn't Die. And it's going to be a bestseller. <laughs> That's the aim. It will be. Yeah, it's oh, a great book. Um, once, once the book's... Um, on the released i'll bring you on and we'll have another yeah. um interview talking about perfect it. sounds fabulous i love it's it well worth well yeah. worth it yeah all right awesome, bye everyone and we'll catch you next time yeah thanks everyone